right, here we go with part two of Go Make Stuff. And, uh, you know, as I gave thought to this idea of art, um, I'm afraid that sometimes, you know, we can think that art is only things like music or painting or poetry. Uh, but in the context of, of what I'm talking about, being creative, uh, I'm talking about a broader definition which can apply to business, it can apply to how you build a house or a garage or you organize a room. A cre- the way, well, it's defined as uh, any creative endeavor that connects the created things in a new or different way in the service of others. I mean, literally, it can be the way that you raise your family, for example, you know, <laughs> One of the most creative things that I think I I ever came up with when raising my kids, and I probably mentioned it in this podcast before, but they used to argue over who gets to ride shotgun in the car when they were all about the same age, and it created an argument every time we went anywhere. And one day it dawned on me, well, you know what? I got three kids. There's about 30 days in every month. So the oldest gets the first 10 days, the middle child gets the second 10 days, and the third child gets the third 10 days. And if there's an extra day, the third child gets it because he gets ripped off in February. And it worked like a charm. It eliminated the arguments. It was an artistic, it was art at work in the family. So we're talking, I guess, about creativity in general. And I drew some ideas from a book called The Mystery of Art, which really does kind of, you know, focus primarily on things like performing arts. But I'm talking about it in a broader sense. Uh, You know, go make stuff, new ideas, creative ways of doing things. We all, you know, come at life from different backgrounds and we have different tasks and different jobs and different works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And we want to be innovative and creative. We don't want to get stuck in the, well, that's the way we always do it, so we never change. That That's a trap. We're always looking at new and hopefully better ways, more creative ways to do things. Now, if you are a musician, if you are an artist, then obviously it, it takes on that kind of meaning for you. But I just want you to think in a broader context of how we can be more creative, how we can switch things up uh, in 2023. At least that's the way I'm looking at at uh, the way that we do things. I I started by giving a couple of commandments. They're not really commandments. I gave you the background on why I called them commandments, but just some ideas uh, when it comes to being creative. And the first was, thou shalt create art because you were created in the image of God. And so creativity is in our DNA. You know, Jesus talked about, he said, unless you become like little children, you can't see the kingdom of God. And, you know, when we were kids, we were creative, weren't we? I mean, we drew things, even though they looked ridiculous, we made things out of Play-Doh. We just were always creating. And at some point, you know, we, we figure out the boundary lines of what's acceptable, what's a socially acceptable, and we kind of get shy about our creativity. And I think that one of my commandments is going to be, you've got to be vulnerable, right, to do any kind of art, to, to pitch any new idea about anything, you've got to make yourself like a little child that says, hey, look at what I made. And, you know, yes, it, you you may be ridiculed. People may mock your idea. You know, some of the most innovative ideas of our time 
were ideas that were mocked at first. You know, there's a whole list of them somewhere online about, you know, people mock the crea- uh, the creation of the television, for example. People, this was a good one. Uh, people mock the idea of a drive-through window at a restaurant. Like there were people that thought that was ridiculous and ridiculed the idea, and now you won't find a fast food restaurant without a drive-through window. It's become the standard. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the point is, is that we should be creative because our God is uh, creative. He is the creator. It's in our DNA to be creative. Um, The second one I talked about in the last podcast is that thou shalt make love for your neighbor your motive. Um, that's got to be the ultimate motive is how can I solve a problem for other people? How can I serve other people? Um, and that again might be through the way that you do business, the way that you do something creative in your community, or it may be the performing arts. You know, uh, many times we get stage fright as performing artists, for example, because we're thinking of ourselves. And if we think that, Hey, look, I made something for you and I'm trying to lift you up, um, There's a neurologist that wrote a book. Um, He has a YouTube called Brain Joe. He plays banjo. And I'd encourage you to look that channel up, Brain Joe, the way it sounds, uh, with a J-O at the end of it. Um, And and I'm reading his book. I read part of his book. But he goes through, you know, how to overcome stage fright. And one of the, the problems is we're too focused on ourselves. And so when we create something, let's be thinking about, hey, this is for others. How can I serve? Yes, there's always going to be some selfish motive mixed in there. there. None of us can have perfect motives. We, we, we want to be praised and appreciated. You know, my wife will, will fix some elaborate meal you know, using creative recipes and her idea of what is a great meal for a, a group of people. And ultimately, she's, she's often the last one to eat when she does something like that um, because she's trying to serve everyone else and to please everyone else. Uh, but she certainly appreciates people complimenting her meal. So that's always mixed in there. So make love the motive for whatever it is you're trying to create. Something bigger than money, something bigger than, you know... Um, fame, uh, but for the service of other people. And now the third one, this is kind of in a, I don't think I covered this in the last podcast. I forgot where I left off exactly, but if I did, here we go, review, and we'll go in a little more depth. But the third one I'd like to talk about is thou shalt not be afraid to experiment. And now that goes back to being like a little child. We can't let fear of public reaction keep us from what Seth Godin calls shipping our art, putting it out for public inspection. But when, we, when we're when we trying to come up with creative ideas and you know, a new way to do something, and, and it can be something as simple as what I did this week, I completely rearranged, actually over the last few weeks, but a couple of days ago, I did a, the bulk of the work. I completely rearranged my studio where I'm recording this, where we do music and, and rehearse for our shows and songwriting and all that. It was an absolute mess, and it needed to be reorganized, but it quite a task. Can you imagine? Um, we, I've got computers and sound equipment, amplifiers, PA system, guitars. I'm talking about acoustic tiles on the walls, everything. Just redo it. 
You know, I knew it needed to be redone. We've got a band coming in. For the first time, a band is going to be in this room. Um, and we're going to rehearse for these upcoming shows we have in Parchman, Mississippi, uh, and uh, Florida. So praise God. It's been a dream. It's been a vision to get a band back out on the road, but a rehearsed band. This will be the first time in a long, long time we've had a rehearsed band. We're flying our drummer in from Florida, and then the other two guys that are with us are here local, 10 minutes from my house. But we're going to really try to give those that deserve the least the best, uh, all in the name of Jesus. But as I went to organize my studio, what a, a, a total mess it was. I needed to come up with a creative idea, a new way to make it better. And I read this quote. This is in Jonathan Jackson's book, The Mystery of Art. It's a C.S. Lewis quote. It says, the first, C.S. Lewis said, the first demand any work of art makes upon us is surrender. Look, listen, receive, get yourself out of the way. There is no good asking first whether the work before you deserve such a surrender, for until you have surrendered, you cannot possibly find out. That is profound. I reckon what he is saying is that a sculptor, for example, cannot be guaranteed exactly what his work of art is going to look like when he's staring at a big block of concrete or granite or whatever he's chiseling at or she's chiseling at, but he or she must surrender. Look, listen, receive, you know, try to get it in your mind's eye the best that you can, but then you've got to surrender. You've just got to start doing it. And when it came to organizing this room, for example, it was like a big block of granite. It was a chaotic mess. And so I, I had to go, well, you know what? I can't be afraid to experiment with a better way of doing it. I got to admit to you, I become very accustomed to the way that my room functioned, the way that everything was connected. And it, it was a, a little bit of an act of courage to completely disassemble it all. I mean, wiring and everything to put it all back together in hopefully a better way. And man, it is such a, it turned out so great. Now I had no guarantee. I, I, I may find some frustrations along the way with the way that I did something, but so far, so good. And so when it comes to a new way to do things, we can't be afraid to experiment. And we, we do the best that we can to come up with a plan and a strategy and an idea. And then we just we just kind of have to go for it. We have to surrender to the idea, give ourselves to it, and guess what? It may come out laughable. You know, I mentioned the little wood sculpture that I have that I made all the way back in, the, I guess, the 80s when I thought I was going to be a wood carver. It is such a joke. But I had to kind of surrender to it and figure it out. And, and I suppose if I really, really enjoyed it, I really put my mind to it, and that was really going to be my thing, I would get better at it little by little, incrementally. Uh, but I, it turned out it wasn't. You know, I began to give more focus to music. But we've got to surrender to the idea. And, you know, when we recorded uh, the, the two albums that we've recorded under the Plunders moniker, um, you know, I had some sketches of songs, some, some pieces of songs, and I, I had to go in and kind of try to chisel at them and, and surrender to the creative process and, and try to make them better. 
And still, when, when we found the studio where we recorded these songs, you know, I needed the, the guy. First off, I was extremely intimidated, even as long as I played music. Um, you know, when I contacted the studio, it was like I knew that uh, this guy was in a really hot cover band, actually the number one cover band in the Richmond metro area. Um, and they're not like a bar band. They play, you know, mega buck weddings and yacht club weddings and big events. They're on a booking company. It's an extremely good band. And he's the guy that runs the studio. He's also the engineer, the producer. And I contacted him and, you know, again, <laughs> feeling like, man, I don't measure up to this guy. Uh, I said, hey, we want to record some songs, but I need a drummer and I need a bass player that are really session quality. And, of course, I knew he was. And turned out the bass player, Matt Say is his name, um, and Dan Uphoff is a drummer. Fantastic studio, by the way, Full Circle Recording in Chester, Virginia. Uh, he gave me a package deal and said, all right, send me your demos. Okay, here we go. You know, um, I've got to actually ship this stuff to somebody that may that is going to scrutinize it, give me their opinion. And it turned out that in all the songs we've recorded, I would say we were 95% of the way there. You know, Dan and Matt suggested maybe 5% changes and ways we could do it better, which I wanted. I needed help with the arrangement and uh, some ideas. And, you know, he being a drummer, knew in measures and timing much, but I'm not a drummer at all. And I'm very much kind of a garage band musician. I'm not formally trained at all. And you know, that 5% made a huge different ideas. But, you know, when we we got into the studio and we surrendered, again, intimidating to show up into a studio and go, hey, I want to record these songs. And, um, and now it's like me with a guitar in front of a microphone with this guy watching me that's an exceptional musician. I mean, it's pride getting in the way, I know. But, you know, I, those records turned out great to me. And, you know, when it was done, I mean, he had nothing but compliments about, you know, our writing and the songs. And, and, uh, and so my point, again, is that we can't be afraid to step out, to experiment. It could, you Now, let me back up a little bit. Okay, several years ago, I submitted some pieces of songs to a very dear friend and mentor who's way ahead of the game uh, at recording music. And he was... A little critical, you know, like, you're not there yet, basically, is what he told me. And it was humbling, you know. It, it made me go back to the, not to the drawing board, but, you know, back to what I had done and start to craft it more and get better at it. So we, we, we've got to surrender to the art and not be afraid um, to experiment and, and, you know, go back to the drawing board, not be afraid of, of failing at it. And matter of fact, there's no such thing as failure. We just learn if we do it right, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we compare ourselves to not only other creators, we compare and innovators, we compare ourselves to the best work by those creators or innovators. And I don't care what it is that you're, you know, it can be performing arts, it can be anything, but you, you probably have people that you look at that are just crushing it at something you'd like to do, but often we're only looking at the most celebrated works by those folks. We don't consider the many flops 
Matter of fact, we might not even know about them. When you think about some of the most famous artists, for example, you probably only know a couple of pieces of their art, but yet there are hundreds, if not even thousands, of sketches and messes in the background that produce the couple that we know. When it comes to artists, when it comes to music, we often only know a couple of songs off of an album because they play it nonstop on the radio, uh, but we don't know all the stuff that didn't make the record, for example, and, and we don't even know some of the other songs on the album. You know, but all along the way, as, as we surrender to the process and experiment, we're going to get better at what we do. And so don't be afraid to experiment new ways of doing things, um, different ways of putting the creative things together in a unique expression. And don't be afraid of ridicule. Don't be afraid of feedback. We need feedback to get better. Um, I mentioned, uh, for example, way back in 1992, um, I had a four-track Tascam recorder, cassette recorder, and I was recording original songs that I'd written. I'd never sung a song publicly, I may have attempted when I was drunk back in my party days as a teenager, but I don't even, I never considered myself a singer. I was just a guitar player. And I started, I'd gotten re-engaged with church life and I started writing songs. And I had this song that I wanted to submit to a songwriting contest with CBN, a Christian Broadcasting Network, was having this song conference and I enrolled the songwriting conference. I enrolled to go to the conference and uh, they had a songwriting contest that you could submit your songs. Well, the music pastor at our church, I've talked about this before, the music pastor at our church, I didn't know him, but I knew he was a gifted musician. I could tell he was probably a trained musician. And so I humbly, he lived around the corner from me. I humbly went by his house and tossed it with a note in his uh, mailbox, uh, not realizing I was actually violating federal law by putting something in his mailbox, uh, asking him to give me any pointers before I submitted the song. I, that was a, a brave act of courage on my part. I mean, I was super nervous. Would that you know nobody had ever told me that I could. I I didn't consider myself a singer, but let me tell you. First off, he invited me over to his house probably that same day, and we just talked about calling the song, what I was you know trying to accomplish with my life and that kind of thing. It was a great great little meeting. But from that, without going into detail came everything that we have done in music since. I mean, that led to me singing that uh, solo I mentioned before in an Easter production, eventually leading worship and singing special songs in the youth group. The word spread uh, that I was a songwriter and a, gu a guitar player and that I, I wanted to get engaged. But man, I, I had to kind of surrender to the process and say part of the process is getting feedback from other people. And so it was a total experiment on my part to try to write a song in the first place. That song, we eventually recorded it on the Holy Warfare album. It didn't really go anywhere or do anything. I don't think we played it since about 1992. But you get my point. Don't be afraid to experiment. Surrender to whatever it is that you're trying to do. I mean, and I'm focusing a lot on performing arts, but... I just keep thinking about building a garage, for example, or building a house, for example, or whatever it is. You know, when you go to cook something, you know, you're, you've got to kind of surrender. Pull your ingredients together, look, listen, receive, get your plan, and then just begin. And, and don't be afraid if something doesn't come out right. 
Just make the adjustments and go back at it again. Okay, next commandment. And I've already touched on this. Thou shalt not be afraid to be vulnerable or thou shalt not fear vulnerability. Now, everything I just talked about was requiring vulnerability. Um, but what makes live music, for example, I've got one listener of this podcast who uh, listened to one of my podcasts, I think The Risk of Art, and it motivated him to actually get out in front of people and perform live music or lead worship at his church. And what makes live music more exciting than listening to a recording? Well, it's, it's the tension, the emotion that connects us, but it's also the potential for failure, right? When we watch someone doing something, not just live music, when we watch someone, when we watch football, you know, we're sitting with anticipation. This might be the biggest play of the season, or it might be an interception, it might be a failure. There is a tension. Failure is possible, and that's part of the allure. It's part of what makes it exciting. And trust me, fail we will when we when we get out there we will flop once in a while i don't think uh i've ever had a perfect musical performance um, or preached a perfect sermon there's always going to be little hiccups along the way um but we adjust right we get better sometimes it's on the fly you know i've i've learned when it comes to live music how to you know if you know the material well enough you can cover your mistakes pretty well and most people don't even realize it. You know, let's go back to the idea of building something. You know good and well that not every measurement is going to be perfect, and there's going to be little shims and little adjustments along the way. There's going to be imperfections, but the majority of people are not going to notice those imperfections. Uh, you know, when it, <laughs> this is funny, talking about making yourself vulnerable. One of the things that I really don't like to do, I do them but I'm not fond of doing formal uh, things like weddings. I, I'm bonded to do weddings, and I've married quite a few people, but I'm, I really don't like it because uh, I'm kind of a freestyle kind of guy, and, and it's so formal, and it's hard for me to get my mind in that. I'm so afraid I'm going to mess it up for other people, you know, um, and there's, to me, there's, I don't want to make myself, if, if I'm in the spotlight, I can make adjustments along the way. You know, I, if I'm preaching a sermon and I say something the wrong way, I can, yeah, I just feel more comfortable in that environment. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of, you know, what is the word that I would use? Um, anyway, it's irrelevant. The, the point is, is, is that I don't like formal uh, situations. I, I, I like to be able to adjust on the fly. So I did my sister's wedding and I got up in front of all these people, most that I do not know, and they do not know me. They, they may have known that I was, they just know I'm the preacher. Some of them, a, a few, good, good amount of them knew who I was, but a, a lot of them did not. So I was nervous. Even as long as I've preached and did public speaking, I was nervous. And I got up there, and I called the groom, Scott Brown. Do you take Scott Brown to be your you know, lawful wedded husband? Well, unfortunately, my brother-in-law's name is Scott Jones. <laughs> my sister laughed. She thought it was an intentional joke. I was mortified. 
uh, Scott Jones or Scott Brown was a good friend that I grew up with, and for some reason I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I I was honored to be able to do that wedding, and I had to make myself vulnerable when we perform in front of people. Um, we're making ourselves vulnerable, aren't we? Whatever it is, okay? If it's, you've got to give a, a public presentation at work or you've got to give a sales pitch, where you're, you're laying yourself out there. And, you know, sometimes we can make adjustments on the fly. You know, this re- as long as I played music. Recently, uh, the last tour that we were on we, in September, um, I had a band come in and we had never rehearsed together. They learned the songs and, you know, I, I knew the songs, I thought. And we jumped into a song, and the wrong, I was in the wrong key. Can you believe that? Oh, I was playing the, the right chord formations and everything, but I was in the wrong key. Thank God we had a drummer, and it was loud and chaotic, and I caught it partway through. I mean, I went quite a ways. I was looking at the other guys like, what's wrong with y'all? And then I noticed I was the one in the wrong key. I just had to make adjustments and keep on going. So don't be afraid to make yourself vulnerable when it comes to shipping your art, getting your art out there. And then the last one I'll cover today is thou shalt not wait for inspiration. Um, When it comes to doing creative things, sometimes we can sit around waiting for the lightning bolt to strike. Now, I can come at it from from a um, songwriting perspective, and I hope you could apply it to any any creative endeavor, but it's been said that often inspiration comes from perspiration or uh, there's a quote where a guy talks about, you know, it's funny how inspiration shows up at eight o'clock every morning uh, because I make it. We've got to sit down and do the hard work and go through, you know, when it comes to writing, for example, writing, if you're writing a book or uh, writing music, in my case, is we're developing a craft and we just got to keep chiseling at it. And man, I have so many pieces of songs that are going to go nowhere. And any songwriter, professional songwriter will tell you that. You know, there's a place in Nashville called Music Row. And guys just, gals gather every day at certain hours and they work on songs. And they produce a lot of junk. And every, but every now and then, one comes out that's worth cutting, that's worth pitching, and hopefully finding an artist that will record it. You know, because the majority of Nashville country singers don't write their own music. Some do, some co-write, but this music row, that's their specialty. They get together every day and they write songs. And so much of it is, you know, for the junk pile. And and so we don't sit around waiting to feel like now's the time to start. We just start. And I find that if I do that, you know, if I just begin, even even when I start my day, if I just begin, I get so much more done. And, and I do produce some gold nuggets out of that once in a while. But I'd never get there if I didn't work through the junk, if I didn't just start, if I waited around till, you know, so I, I know people who, who 30 years ago were asking, what's God's will for my life? And they're still asking that question, not starting to do all they can where they are with what they have and just see where it leads, waiting for some divine moment, you know, some epiphany, 
And those moments come rarely. You know, I can think of a few in my life where there was just a sense of knowing. But for most of the time, it's just get up. You know, uh, what's his name? Stephen, uh, mm, I think it's Pressfield. Uh, I wrote, wrote a book, and I think I've quoted from it. He wrote a book called The Resistance, which is a good read. Read it through the lens of Jesus and the Bible because he's not a believer and he gets into some weird new agey stuff near the end. But he makes a lot of good points in the book. Um, But he came out with another book, kind of a follow-up to that, uh, and it was called Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be. Uh, And what he was saying, he has this this, uh, theory that, you know, the key to success is ass in chair. He's a writer. Okay. In other words, sit down and get to work. Now, you might not sit down to do your work, but the point is, and that also is a pretty good motivating read, uh, reading through the lens of Jesus, of course, or or the Bible. There's some great concepts in there um, about just do the work, just start the work and experiment and make yourself vulnerable. Don't be afraid to fail. Uh, just get out there and start and begin, and you'll be surprised that once you begin, how inspiration shows up. You know, often in this podcast, I don't know exactly what I'm, I make just a sketch of notes of ideas that I'll share, and I, I've never produced a perfect podcast, and some of them have been, you know, not that great flops. You don't have to email me and let me know, but some of them have helped people. And the ones that have helped people would have never got out there if I hadn't just made a routine of putting the, the, these podcasts out. And so I encourage you, don't sit around and wait for inspiration. Begin. Like, like C.S. Lewis said, surrender to the work. Look, listen, receive, you know, get the, the best strategy that you can, and then surrender to the work. You know, I think about... Um, Noah and building the ark and the ridicule that he must have received because it had not rained on the earth when he began uh, building the ark. And he was given very detailed plans from the Lord, but he was an imperfect person like all of us. So you better believe there was some tweaking and adjustment along the way and some creative ideas of how to put pieces together and that kind of thing. I'm going down a rabbit trail, but you get what I'm saying, okay? Your Noah's Ark obviously saved his family and produced mankind as we know it. Um, the chances that our art is going to have that impact are slim to none. But that song that you write or that building that you build or that presentation that you give or that creative idea of doing things a new and different way uh, could have an impact on one person, perhaps your family, you know, and so I encourage you in this new year, let's go make stuff. Let's come up with creative ways and new ways to put the created things together in new and unique expressions. And we'll be back on this with part three. I hope you're getting something out of it. You guys have a fantastic week. Sometimes falling angels fly Shh.
Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge, make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.